You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Be thankful. And the reason why we're talking about this today is because in this very busy season, we are given an opportunity to pause, to reflect on what the Word of God says, to choose to be thankful, to to learn how to be thankful, to understand that there are some things that are going to be happening in the next month and a half that could cause you to be unthankful, some pitfalls that you can avoid to your thankfulness, but more importantly, what the Word says, and there's some reasons why you should be thankful. Some of you might not even understand if in your life if there's anything to be thankful for, but I promise you that there is, and I'm going to show you some things in the Word today, some things that right now you can be thankful for, and then I'm going to give you some keys on how you can begin to grow thankfulness in your life. So I want to invite you just to, uh, however you want to prepare, uh, a pen and paper, your, your phone. Just promise me you're not going to uh, get on Facebook or stream Joel Osteen's service with Kanye West, okay? Just, just sorry, I had to do it. All right, there we go. Um, I tried to get him here, and he said no. He said Joel took priority, so I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. All right, I don't want... <laughs> I had to do it. Well, this very special season, or as I like to call it, the Hallmark movie season, um, is upon us, isn't it, right? How many Hallmark movie fans out there? Okay, you're lying. Ladies, you're not lying. Guys, you're lying. If any men raise their hands, you're lying. Cast that out of you right now, all right? Uh, My wife loves those movies, and I don't get it because they're all the same, uh, same plot, just different people. Uh, But... It is a very fun time of the year, and and so why should we choose to be thankful right now? Besides it being the time of year, why should we choose to be thankful? Um, It's just really simple. It's because the Word of God instructs us that there is life in thankfulness. There's life, life to our soul, life to our spirit when we choose to be thankful, and in this season, and I don't even necessarily think it's just this season, I think we feel it a little bit more pronounced during this season, but in life in general, it's easy to lose sight of why we should be thankful. Sometimes we get disenfranchised. Sometimes we get lost in the, in the, in the melee, the hubbub, the, the busyness. It's very easy to become distracted, to get busy, to get stressed out. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes during the holiday season, traffic can just stress me out. And as a result, we lose joy. And when we lose joy, we lose thankfulness. And we can forget what it means to be thankful and why we should be thankful. So I want to start this morning in just this short uh, talk we have together talking about this story that that happened in in Luke's gospel and recorded in in Luke's gospel in in chapter 17. Now, the scriptures aren't going to be on the screen for you today, um, but I'm going to tell you what they are. Write them down, open up your Bible app or your physical Bible, and just read along, follow along with me. And I want to start off by talking about some pitfalls to our thanksgiving, some pitfalls we need to avoid concerning a thankful heart. And in Luke 17, 11 through 19, I'm going to read this to you. This is a story of the lepers who were cleansed. In verse 11, it says this, Now on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, I want you to know something, that Jesus didn't go anywhere on accident. Everywhere he went, he went with a purpose. Everywhere he went, he went with a purpose. Now, 
this particular route that Jesus was traveling was not a very good route for a good Jewish boy to travel. Samaria was not a very friendly place for Jews. Samaritans and Jews did not get along. But Jesus understood why he needed to take this route. He didn't go there on accident. Verse 12 says, And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now for some of you that know, some of you that might not, leprosy was a disease that is pretty much obsolete in the world today, except for a few places. But it affects your skin and it deteriorates your skin and eventually will take your life. And it was considered to be unclean in the culture of the day. And as a result, people with leprosy were cast outside of the villages where people left, lived. Because the disease was very contagious and because it was considered to be religiously unclean. And so these people, these ten men with leprosy, lived a life you could just imagine of complete loneliness and, and and hopelessness, and, and probably depression. And so when they saw Jesus, the, the Bible tells us that they called out, they saw something in Jesus that provoked them from their heart to, to scream out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It would have been normal for them to beg, but, but for them to see Jesus, they noticed something different in him. In verse 14, it says, When he saw them, He said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now, whoa, wait a second. Jesus just spoke the word. Go show yourself to the priest. He declared to them something that would have been impossible for them to do. As being ceremonially unclean, they weren't allowed to go to the priest. They weren't allowed to go into the, into the tabernacle, the temple. They couldn't go there. They couldn't go before God. Now stop and think about that for just a second. Not only were they banished from society, and that's one thing, isn't it? And that's a terrible thing. But they also felt like they were banished, distant from God, that God didn't love them. So Jesus' words don't fall short here. In essence, what Jesus is doing is putting things in proper order. He doesn't just look at them and say, hey, you're cleansed, go back to normal life. What he says is this, hey, go present yourself to God. You're able to make a connection with God again. That relationship is now restored because the thing that separated you is going to leave. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Jesus asks a very simple question to the one man that returns because this Samaritan man, this man that probably didn't understand or or probably wasn't expecting a Messiah to come because he didn't believe the same way the Jews did. Now understand this, not to get overly deep into this storyline, but some of, these, some, some of these lepers were Jewish lepers, and they would be looking for a Messiah. Maybe that's why they called out to Jesus, Jesus Master. 
They were hoping, believing, maybe even knew that he was Messiah, but this Samaritan did not have a point of reference. But yet, out of the ten, he was the one who returned and threw himself at Jesus' feet and said, thank you. He understood something deeper. And before we pass judgment on the other nine, it's quite understandable in so many ways when your life is radically transformed for you to forget some of the things as simple as saying thank you, maintaining a thankful heart. When our lives turn around, don't we act the same way sometimes toward God? We beg him for mercy. We ask him to intervene. And when he does, we forget. We forget. What I believe is this is a little snapshot, a little bit of of look into the human soul that we all fall victim to. We all are those. We all are the nine, guys. We all are the nine at some point in our life, but we need to be the one. And here's some pitfalls that I think that happen that, that cause us to lose thankfulness. And you can just write these down if you'd like to. The first pitfall is this, short sightedness. Making our problems too big. Making our problems too big. I can imagine that these lepers felt this way. They saw no future. They saw no hope. They saw no outcome. Maybe that was their standard cry to everybody who walked by. Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. They had to beg for their livelihood. Maybe that was all they saw. And in our lives, isn't it easy just to make the situations and the problems in our life too big? And when that happens, that will overwhelm us, won't it? That will overwhelm us. It's easy to get overwhelmed by by the issues that we have. But what happens is this. In these situations, when we choose to be overwhelmed and we choose to see only the, the issue that's right in front of us, the problem that's right in front of us is that we will lose our joy and by default we'll lose our thankfulness. We'll cease to be thankful. We'll become unthankful. That's why the Word of God tells us in James 1, 2, consider it pure joy. Brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, I hate that scripture. I hope you do too. Because it's challenging, isn't it? It's challenging sometimes to see past the issues in our life, the problems in our life, the the, the struggles in our life, to to choose to have an attitude. But this is the the number one thing, is when we choose to, even in the midst of a storm, and, and let's all be honest right now, storms happen, trials happen, problems happen. They happen to everybody. We all face them. It doesn't make you a weak person. It doesn't make you weak in your faith. It doesn't make you a bad Christian. It doesn't make you a bad person. Stuff happens. And in our life, what, what the challenge is this, is not to try to avoid those things because sometimes we can't prevent those things. But the challenge becomes this, choosing to see God in the midst of those things, choosing to hold on to joy, to believe that he is doing something. And when we do see his hand, even in the midst of the most pressing times in our life, it creates a thankful heart inside of us. It creates a thankful heart inside of us. The second pitfall was this, can be this, and I think we all face this, is looking over the fence. Pitfalls to our thankfulness, looking over the fence. Now, I can imagine that those lepers were extremely jealous of all of the life that was being experienced. You got to know that at one point, maybe before they got leprosy, they had families and they maybe had relationships and who knows if they had children or what. 
But they could hear the cries of joy coming from the city. They, can know, they knew the experience of life that was joyful. And the tendency for us is the same, isn't it? Is that jealousy sneaks up on us, doesn't it? You know what commercial I absolutely hate around Christmas time? Is where the couple, and they're, they're like a youngish couple, they, they buy each other brand new cars. My, my wife and I were like watching that, and we're like, in what world does that happen? In what world? Like, I can't, I can't spend 25 bucks without my wife knowing. I couldn't imagine making, I mean, I'm sure some of y'all, you're like, yeah, I can do it. I'm good. I can, I can do that. I can make that happen. Well, good for you. Let me give you my address so you can drop off a car in my driveway. But, but here's the thing. I mean, I'm just like, that is insane. And then I go from that is insane to, I, I want to have that Christmas. I want to go out and see a bow on something shiny and bright and big. And oh, I happened to get you one too, honey. Here it is. It's parked in the neighbor's driveway. <laughs> and we all do that, don't we? We all, I mean, look, seriously, I mean, none of us are probably seriously jealous of that commercial. I mean, in so many ways, it's unrealistic. But, but don't we get jealous at different points in time? Don't we look at somebody else's life and go, oh, man, I wish I had that? Oh, man, I wish I had that. I don't have what they have. If only I had what they had, my life would look better. If only I had this relationship. If only I had this thing. If only I made this much money. If only, if only, if only. If only my kids acted like their kids. (laughs) That was a nervous laugh that just went across the, the church. The list goes on and on, and this is a tricky trap, isn't it? Because... The tendency, especially in the world of social media, if we're just simply honest, boy, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tricky trap. Scroll through. We check out vacations. We check out things. We look at, we look at all this stuff, and we see, and, and we start looking over the fence. But what happens is that when we look over the fence is that we lose sight of the things that we should be thankful for in our life. This pulls us away from seeing God's best in our life, the wonderful things that he is doing in us and being thankful for those things. And it's a pitfall we have to avoid, looking over the fence. The third one is this, is focusing on the past. One of the keys to our thankfulness is being able to hear the Holy Spirit tell us that God is doing, and doing something in our life and, and working in our life. I think one of the things that I'm the most grateful for, I'm the most thankful for in my life is the truth that God is still working on me. That he is still doing things in my life. He is still working things out of me. He is still calling me. He's still moving me. He's still showing me new things. He's still taking me deeper. I bet if I asked you guys to raise your hand there and to say if you're satisfied in your walk with the Lord, there wouldn't be too many people that would raise their hands. Why? Because you want to go deeper. You want more of God. You want to see God move in a very special way in your life. You want to feel Him call you. You want to know that there is a future in front of you, and there is. But what happens is that when we focus on our past, we lose sight of the future that God is calling us to. And this is just a solid principle that you can take to the bank, is that God is always moving you forward. God is moving you forward in the difficult times. He's moving you forward in the good times. He's moving you forward in the quiet times. He's moving you forward in the loud times. He's moving you forward. 
And one of the traps that we fall victim to that causes us to lose thankfulness is looking to the past. Is looking to the past. When we say, God, the best happened years ago, the best happened back then, what we're saying in essence is that we don't believe that there can be something better in front of us. And when everything is in the past, then we cease to have hope for tomorrow. Now, I want to speak a word of grace and a word of strength to those of you that are enduring physical conditions where you feel and the enemy has attempted to slip a lie inside of your heart to tell you that there is not a future and there is not a hope, that you won't be free, you won't be healed. And I want to tell you that that is a lie. That's a lie. Friends, I want to tell you there is something so much stronger than the immediate relief from the things that we think plague us and something that we need even more, and that's to be thankful God is always moving you forward, and there is always something to be thankful for. But in order to do that, you have to let go of the past. Whether it was good or bad, you have to let go of it. Some of us were trapped in the past thinking that God can't bless us in the future because of what we've done. You've got to let go of the past. Because anything you attach yourself to in the past, no matter, again, if it's good or bad, is going to inhibit the way that you understand the hope of God for the future and will hinder your thankfulness. The fourth thing is this. Pitfall to our thankfulness is fear. And this is just obvious. And I can imagine this being so strong in the lives of these ten lepers. Fear steals so many things from us. It's an enemy of our soul in so many ways. It steals our peace. It steals our relationships. It steals our future. But it can also steal our thankfulness. If you've ever been bound in fear, and I can tell you that I have been bound in fear in my life at different points in time, there's nothing for me to be thankful for. I feel like there's nothing for me to be thankful for. I can't see thankfulness. I just simply want re relief. And these times we have to lean into the peace of God that He promises surpasses our understanding. That we have to fight against that fear. That we have to connect into relationships and connect into life and connect into the Word. Because fear will inhibit our thankfulness. Alright, so now that we got these pitfalls, let me give you some things that you can be thankful for in your life right now. Reasons to be thankful Turning your Bibles to Colossians 1, verses 3 through 7. This is Paul greeting the church in Colossae with this, and I want you to hear this because Paul tells the church why he's thankful for them. In verse 3, he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we heard of your faith. In Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of God's people. The faith and the love that spring from the hopes stored up for you in heaven. And about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. That has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day that you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it. From Ephesus, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who has also told us of your, of your love in the Spirit. Let me explain this to you. It's not complicated. But Paul, as he's praying, says, listen, I am thankful for you. 
I am thankful for you. And it's not because of the things that sometimes we think we should be thankful for in our life, but yet these are the things that truly matter. And what Paul is doing is regaging the perspective of our thankfulness if we choose to see it. If we choose to, to listen to what the Word's saying, because these are the measures of what we should be thankful for in our life. Paul lists three of them that I want to explain to you, and I want to show you that these are at work in your life, and they are a reason for you to be thankful today. They're a reason for you to be thankful. The first thing that Paul mentions is this, is the faith that these believers had. And I want to ask you just a couple of simple questions. This isn't complicated, but it's provoking. Have you grown in your faith this last year? Has your faith been stretched? Have you grown? Have you taken a step of faith? Have you trusted God for something? Even if you fell down the first time, did you get back up and keep going? <laughs> you did, didn't you? Do you want to? Have you grown in your relationship with Jesus? Have you wrestled with some big things? Have you had some intimate conversations? Maybe some of you have screamed at him. And you said, why? But in the process, you learned his love. And you learned his heart. And you figured out something about his character that is true and steadfast. Have you grown in the word? Have you spent more time in this word? Maybe because you had to cling to it for your life. But maybe because you hungered for it. And maybe you found it as a source of your strength for which you can anchor your faith. You have. You have. Do you want to? Then you're on the right track. Then be thankful. Be thankful. This is a value that you should be thankful for. Don't be thankful that you got a car in the driveway. Don't be thankful that your bank account looks better than it did last year. Praise God for that, all right? You can be happy about that. But listen, be thankful for the right things because these are things that have eternal value. Why does that matter? Because I want to tell you something. Your car will break down. I don't care if it is a 2019. Give it five years, you're going to hate it. We all know that. Your bank account will change. Your job situation will change. I pray God blesses you and that you prosper in all things. I believe that for you. But when we attach ourselves to eternal things, we begin to understand the source of what it means to be really fulfilled. Only eternal things can fulfill us. Temporal things can't fulfill us. And this is why Paul says this. Hey, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you are growing in your faith. And I want to just contend and contest that every one of you is growing in your faith. No matter if you just started your faith journey or you've been walking with the Lord or you've had bumps and bruises, you are growing in your faith. Rejoice and be thankful. Rejoice and be thankful. Don't look and say, oh, I wish I was so much further along than I am now. Listen, we all do. We all do. We all want to be further along. You're going to get there. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep pushing. Keep connected. Keep growing. The second thing that Paul says and gives a reason for them to be thankful is because they love people. Their love for people. Let me ask you some, some questions about this because some of you go, oh, I failed here. <laughs> Nope, you haven't. Have you shown love to somebody this year? Yeah, you have. You have. 
Maybe some of you this year, you've forgiven somebody. You released somebody from a debt that they put on your life through something they did or something that happened or something they said. And you chose to trust the Lord and you chose to forgive them. That's loving people. Have you been compassionate towards somebody? Maybe somebody you didn't know, somebody that was on the street or somebody in your workplace that you're just starting a relationship with or in your school or in your neighborhood. Have you shown compassion? Have you been patient with somebody even when it's difficult? Oh my, oh my. I'm thankful for the people in my life that have been patient with me when I have been difficult. Here's where I'm bringing us to. I want you to see this. Have you exercised kindness towards someone? Then be thankful. Be thankful. Why is this important? Why is this something we should be thankful for? Because there's this amazing, powerful mystery that the Scripture tells us that equates our relationship with God as being something that can't just go vertically, but it has to go horizontally with people. Because people matter to God, and the way we treat people, it matters to God. And when we choose to, to, to walk in love, and we choose whether it's to show kindness or compassion or to love somebody, whether they're difficult or not, when we choose to forgive, when we choose to release, when we choose to bless somebody, then what we are doing is sowing something that is eternal. Sowing something that is eternal, and it matters to God. It matters to God. It matters to God. And it is a reason for you to be thankful. And every one of you have loved people. It doesn't matter if you've loved and failed. Some of you have had to go and, and get forgiveness from somebody because you failed in your love approach. But because you got up and you said, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, you are still taking a step of love towards somebody. And if that's you, then be thankful. Maybe you learned something. I know that's me this year, that there have been numerous times that I have fallen short and I've had to go to people and say, I am sorry. But here is the truth in that. If, that. if that is you like me, then you are growing in love. And it is a reason to be thankful. If you can tell somebody, you're sorry, please forgive me, it means that love is working. The love of God is working in your life. And it's a reason to be thankful. It's a reason to grow in this. The third thing that Paul says is this. The reason he's thankful for the believers there in Colossae is that they shared the gospel, that they bore the fruit of the gospel in their life. And just a couple of questions here. Is have you showed or shared with somebody the message of the gospel? Maybe you've taken the time to encourage somebody in the truth of Jesus. You prayed for somebody. You shared your testimony of what God has done in your life. I'm not talking just about how God saved you, even though that's important and we need to share that. But maybe you shared how God overcame in a situation. Maybe you've had to have a conversation with a coworker who's going through a difficult time. And you said, listen, this is what God did for me. And he loves you. And he will do the same thing for you. You took the time to pray. You took the time to encourage. And what you're doing there is that you are bearing the fruit of the gospel have you brought somebody or helped somebody toward Jesus? Have you pointed them toward Jesus? Parents, if this year you have taken the time and with your children and you pointed them toward Jesus. You've encouraged them <laughs> with the belt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> only, only the older folks laughed at that one. 
Younger folks are like, mm-mm, no, no, I'm not. It's all right. You do what you want to do with your kids. I don't, I don't care. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I deviated. I shouldn't even brought that up. I'm going to write a book one day, Things Not to Say When You're Preaching. <laughs> it's going to be a big book. All right. Listen, if you've done these things and you've borne the fruit of the gospel, you've shown people Jesus, be thankful. And even if you go, look, Pastor, you're stretching on this. You're, you're, you're trying to make us sound a little better than we are. Yeah, I am. I'm encouraging you to something. And if maybe you haven't done all those the way you wanted to, it's okay. Take a step because these are the things that you can truly be thankful for in your life. And when we recalibrate to the, the things that matter, the things that have eternal purpose, again, these are the things that really bring us fulfillment. I want to challenge you. That as you begin to start to plan your next year, and as we get into this next year, I don't want to jump over the holidays, but I want you to say, look, I want to, God, I want to put the values in my life that really matter and choose to be thankful about those things. I want to let go of some of the things where I used to have a temporary thankfulness or temporary joy that really didn't satisfy me, and I want to choose to anchor myself to the things of your spirit that matter. All right, I want to just wrap this up with just a couple of keys to unlocking our thankfulness. Where can we go today? How do we put this to work in our life? I'm going to read two scriptures to you. One's in Ephesians 5, and the second one is in 1 Thessalonians 5. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20, it says this. Again, Paul writing. It says, be very careful then how you live. Not as the unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the, the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen. Through 18. These are some of the shortest scriptures that you can ever have. If you're trying to memorize the Bible, start here. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this. You ready for it? Rejoice always. That's it. Two words. Rejoice always. <laughs> Did you learn something today? Yeah, memorize 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Verse 17 is not much bigger. Pray continually. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All right, keys to unlocking our thankfulness. Write these down. I'm going to try to go through them pretty quick. The first is this, get busy doing what you were called to do. Get busy doing what you were called to do. If you want to be thankful, if you want to unlock thankfulness, get busy doing what you are called to do. Ephesians 5, 15. That's what that tells us. Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise. Listen, we have to begin to understand the way that we redeem time and the way that we begin to unlock thankfulness is by doing what we were called to do. Staying in a place of thankfulness means doing the things that bring us life, the things that we just talked about. When we're doing the things that we are created to do, 
not only does this fulfill us, not only does this bring us true joy and give us a reason to be thankful, but it also means that we, are, we aren't doing some things. It means that we're not quarreling, we're not fighting. You can't fight and quarrel and be angry and be upset and be discouraged when you are doing what God has called you to do. I promise you that. I promise you that. When you take a step toward doing what God has called you to do, fulfilling, and listen, if you need to know what God has called you to do, go back to those three things that, that, that you need to be thankful for. I'm not saying that God hasn't called you to do more. Some of you understand that there is something specific that God has called you to do. I personally believe that God has called each of you to do something specific. Some of you are in the process of understanding that. And in the meantime, do those three things. Grow in your faith. Love other people well. Share the gospel. Why? Because when you are doing what God has called you to do, you are redeeming the time. And when you are redeeming the time, it causes you to be thankful. And when you are thankful, you are not discouraged. And you are not discouraging. Grumpy cat? Anybody know? R.I.P. Grumpy cat. He passed away. That cat was just like... And some of us have a grumpy cat attitude. I'm just not happy. Do what God's called you to do. Don't be grumpy cat. Be happy cat. All right? Be happy cat. Do what God's called you to do. When you're doing what God's called you to do, you're not trying to fill a void. See, the problem is, is that when we're not doing what God's called us to do, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fill that void up some Somewhere, some, somehow. We're going to look to fill that up with stuff, with junk, with people, with time, with whatever. Opportunities. Can I just say something just in a lot of grace, a lot of love? Is that for some of you here, this is the season for you to be still and to be at peace. Because you're shifting around and shifting around and shifting and moving and moving and moving. And you don't stop. And it's time to stop and be at peace and do what God's called you to do. Because when you are doing what brings you fulfillment, what God has called you to do, you are not trying to put other things in your life. You're trusting the Holy Spirit. All right, the second key is this. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says this. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on wine. That doesn't mean that hard liquor is okay. <laughs> doesn't say beer, pastor. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> That's not what that means. Don't get drunk on wine. But this is not what this is about. Can I tell you that? This isn't a lesson on drinking. Which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And here's the truth to our thankfulness. I think Paul writes this for two reasons. And first is this tendency, again, to fill our life with meaning. When we're not listening and following the Holy Spirit, this is overwhelming. And sometimes the trap of the enemy is this, is to get, it to, get us to feel that, that longing, that thankfulness. Some of us will have a little bit of real talk, a little bit of honesty. Is that we're covering up wounds 
and pain and damage in our heart with things that are destructive and abusive to our bodies and to our minds and to our spirit. What Paul's writing here is not a whipping for those who have a drink, but instead he's saying this. If you're leaning too much on something, you're losing your life, your spirit, your hope, your joy. And it's going to draw you into a place of misery where you can't be thankful. But if you want to be thankful, learn to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Learn to trust Him as your fulfillment. Learn to know Him as your source of healing, of hope, of life, of joy, of healing, of healing. And some of you this morning, you need to let the Holy Spirit begin to heal those wounds. And some of you, in order for that to happen, because you've been drawn into a place of unthankfulness where there's no peace and there's no hope and there's no future, is that you have to open your heart. You don't have to open your heart to me. You don't have to open your heart to your neighbor, but you have to open your heart to the Lord. And you have to invite Him and give Him access to those places in your heart that are damaged and that are broken and that are hurting. And say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to trust you to heal me. I'm going to trust you to bring me into life. I'm going to learn. You're going to teach me how to be dependent upon you. And you're going to return my joy. You're going to return my peace. You're going to bring healing to me. And you're going to be, cause me to be thankful. We have to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. When we're living in the abundance of the Holy Spirit, we experience a life that makes us thankful. It might not be perfect. It might not be pain-free, but we know the peace that the Holy Spirit gives us. The next thing is this. Encourage somebody. If you want to unlock thankfulness in your life, then encourage someone. This is, this, this is the, maybe the quickest way to get started. In Ephesians 5.19, it says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So if you want to encourage somebody, just start walking to them and start singing to them. No. <laughs> just don't, don't do that. <laughs> and what Paul's saying here is this, is that, listen... Some of us don't have a starting point for when it comes to encouragement. Some of us struggle in that area. Maybe you call yourself a realist. I don't know. Maybe you're just too painfully honest. You're black and white. I don't, I don't care how you define yourself. If what's not coming out of your life brings life to somebody else, whether it's through your actions or your words, then I can promise you, you're, number one, you're not being obedient to the Lord. You're not bearing the fruit of the love of Jesus in your life, but you're probably also miserable. You're miserable. And one of the quickest ways to gain thankfulness is to begin to encourage some people. And what Paul is saying is this, is if you don't have a starting place, then, then go to the Word. If you can't say something nice, then speak the Word. Because what happens is as we speak the Word, then encouragement begins to fill us, and thankfulness begins to fill us, and it begins to overflow out of us. So he said, look, Speak psalms. Use hymns. I thank you that you're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Bless your heart. <laughs> we all know that's code. Don't, don't do it. Right? <laughs> I thank you that you are 
perfect, created by God. You are loved by God. You're an awesome man or woman. You're an awesome son or daughter. God is going to do great things for you, through you, for you, in you, over you. I promise you, if we change our language in this area, it begins to create thankfulness inside of us. The next one is this. And this one is just a simple kick in the butt, if I can just be plain honest with you. Purpose to have a joyful attitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. What does it say? Rejoice always. Nah. An old adage is attitude is everything, but the reality is this, is that sometimes we need to cast the Eeyore spirit out of ourselves. Y'all, come on. I talk about Eeyore all the time, guys. Oh, poo. You ain't going to get honey. Your tail's on sideways, you know. Whatever. And you walk around with this attitude and you can't, and this is what the scripture is telling us, is this, is that we have to have an attitude in us that rejoices. We have to purpose to have a joyful attitude. What if thankfulness could simply be unlocked by choosing to be thankful? What if instead of thinking about all the things in your life that are going wrong, that that plague you and wake you up in the middle of the night, you went home today and you wrote down all the things that you could be thankful for. Pastor, I don't have a starting place. You woke up this morning. Go there. Is your heart still beating? Write it down. Do you have food to eat? Put it on the list. You have a place to go that the lights are on? Then thank you, Jesus, because you're outpacing two-thirds of the world. Do you have somebody in your life that you love or loves you? Write it down. Do you know the grace of Jesus in your life? Has he forgiven you of something? Has he shown his love? Then write it down. Do you have something you're looking forward to? And it doesn't have to be attached to anything that is attached to this world, financial gain or a promotion, but something that you can be thankful for that gives you a future and a hope. Then write it down. Rejoice always. And I want to tell you something. Listen, I'm just going to get solid and real and a little bit hyped up for just a second. Is that sometimes when we read the Bible, we filter through our American lens and it's just complete garbage. You need to grow in the Word. This is me just kind of... Because Paul here writes to a church that's persecuted. And we say, well, pastor, i got these things that are going on and they're wrong in my life. But Paul wrote to a persecuted church. And it's not a different Holy Spirit that he was writing about. It's the same Holy Spirit that we have today. And he says to them, rejoice always. Oh, Jesus. I'm talking to me. Literally, if I could run down to hear me talk, I'd be like, high five, jump up and high five me. I need to hear that. Some of you are like, whoa, settle down, pump the brakes, pastor. I'm in a good spot. Good. You don't need to hear that. Some of you do. You need to take your eyes off of some of the silly stuff that's been bringing you down and put your eyes and choose to have an attitude of thankfulness. Guys, listen, I understand, I understand, and I'm, I am right there. There have been entire seasons that I have been discouraged and depressed and hopeless. 
I'm not saying that my, that my life is perfect and I understand that we must rely upon the Holy Spirit. This is not something that we generate out of our willpower, but we must trust the Holy Spirit. And I know there's some of you that are going through real seasons and they're really difficult and they're real things. But I can promise you, you can begin to change that if you choose to rejoice. The next thing is that he says is this. Keep prayer at the center of your life. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. When we don't know what to do, we don't know how to be thankful, we don't have a starting block, we feel discouraged, we feel depressed, then go to prayer. If you can't pray for yourself, call somebody who can pray for you or with you. I want to tell you this as a pastor I have this in my life. There are times that literally I feel bankrupt. You don't want to hear that out of your pastor. That's just a little bit too honest, isn't it? But here's the truth. I'm just like you. And there's times I feel bankrupt. And there's times you feel when you pray, you're hitting a glass ceiling. And there's nothing happening. And here is the key to breaking that ceiling. Don't pray Call somebody. Text somebody. I Oh, man. Okay, new series. I'm going to show you all my text messages. We're going to do that. There are times, about a week, every time before I go to my doctor, my kidney doctor, I hit the skids. I get nervous. My blood pressure spikes. I get out of sorts. My wife said, this is the pattern, baby. You got to know it. I said, it doesn't matter, honey, if it's the pattern. I can't fix it. Oh, just discouragement, discouragement, discouragement. And I'm just sowing and reaping discouragement. And I'll send out some text messages. I'll send one to different people in the church. I'll say, hey, would you pray for me, over me. Would you just keep this lifted up? And I know this. They're sending me back prayers. And here's what I'm realizing is this, is that I'm getting a little bit of ground out of that funk. Just coom, coom, coom. Why? Because I can't change the situation. If there was something that I could physically do, something I could physically take to change it, oh, I would. But I can't. And the only thing that sets me free is when I get into the presence of Jesus, and when I can't, I reach out. Oh, man. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, 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 oh. Mm. Okay. The last thing is this. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Look for every opportunity to be thankful in every situation. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, not every encounter, not every situation that we're going to have in our life is going to be positive and cheery. But when we trust the Holy Spirit, when we lean into Him, when we choose to keep an attitude, when we choose to stay in that place of keeping on and keeping going in what God's called us to do, oh, when we choose to stay connected to the Word and people, who pray and who encourage us. When we release encouragement, I want to tell you that, oh, one of the, my favorite, whew, 
stories. Can I just have five more minutes, please? Please, I promise you guys. Let me text Luby's and make sure they stay open for you guys. Where y'all going? Wheelhouse? I got them. They're going to stay open for y'all. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is David at Ziklag. Oh, man. Everything got lost. Everything got stolen. The enemies of David came and they took all of his, their, his wives, his children, the, all of his, his mighty warriors, all their families, all their livestock, everything. And David is in a place of contention in his life. He is not living and able to do what God's called him to do. He's sitting in this place of in-between. And, and he goes, God, I'm trying to honor you. I'm trying to do what I said and stay faithful to my word. And when he comes back, his men turn on him. And they look at David and they said, we should have never followed you. Maybe we should, we should dethrone you. We should, you shouldn't be our leader. Maybe we should kill you. And the Bible tells us that David retreats to a place where he has an encounter with God. And he gets into that place where he begins to hear God and understand that he is called of God. And the Bible tells us this, that David goes out from that place and he releases encouragement. And this is what I want to tell you is this. Is that some of you, if you would begin in your place of brokenness or your place of pain to release encouragement, that it's going to unlock something in you that is going to begin to bring thankfulness and release the promises of God in you. If you would choose in every situation, in every circumstance, to give thanks, to lean into that, Some of the most troubling situations in my life. I didn't want them. I asked God to remove them. But they were opportunities. For me to see God's freedom. To know His overwhelming peace. To know His care for my life. And for that I'm thankful. When we choose to unlock. And take the opportunity to be thankful in every situation. We tap into a powerful truth. That God is who he says he is and he's working in our life. Even in the most difficult situations. It's an amazing scripture. When we really think about it and we see what Paul's writing here, it's amazing, isn't it? Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. What if we chose to look at the things in our life and to make a list of things that we're thankful for, to reflect on the things that really matter, that had eternal value, to celebrate the things in our life that you are doing, reasons why you should be thankful. Did you fight with your spouse and make up? Be thankful. Did you grow in your relationship with your children, with your, your spouse? Be thankful. Do you want to? Then be thankful. Then be thankful. If you need to restore relationship, begin to be thankful for that relationship. If you're in a marriage this morning that is broken and, and fragmented, then begin to be thankful for that relationship. Begin to be thankful for that person. 
Instead of figuring out all the things that are wrong, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Close your mouth to things that are discouraging and speak what has life on it. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. I made the cutoff. Way to go. Thank you. That was my alarm. You're out of time, Andy. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for such an amazing, wonderful people, Lord, that you love. And God, I know we're coming into a season and, and there's so much going on. There's so many plans. It's so busy. There's, there's, there's so much stuff. But God, I'm asking that you would still our hearts. That you would bring peace to us, Lord. That you would cause us to pause to be thankful. Lord, I know I have five kids. And I just pray, God, this, this year, as we, oh, Lord, as that tide, Lord, of stuff starts to sweep us up. That, God, we would stop as families, as parents, as husbands and wives. Lord, as your sons and daughters, and just stop and reflect on the things that you have called us to that we should be thankful for. Lord, like Paul wrote, Father, I'm thankful for this church, and I'm thankful for these people, God, that are growing in their love towards you. Just like me, they're not perfect. They've had bumps and bruises this last year, this last week even. But Lord, their heart is for you. And they love you. And it's a reason to be thankful. Holy Spirit, cause them to grow in love with you. To be able to anchor themselves deeper to your truth. To place their faith upon the rock of your word. To know you, to grow deeper in the knowledge of who you are. Father, I'm thankful that this is a church that loves well. That they love each other. That they care for each other. But we're not just a church that cares for the people in this house, but we're a church that cares for the people outside of this house. And so, Lord, I'm thankful that that abounds in these people, God, and I pray that you would cause that to grow. Lord, yes, we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. We've all had to ask for forgiveness. And if we need to, we humble our hearts and we ask for forgiveness to people. But, Lord, help us to grow and compassion, and kindness, and love toward one another. Father, I thank you for these people, that they are people who carry and bear the fruit of the gospel in their lives. Lord, I thank you for the prayers that have been offered for other people from this church. I thank you for the words of encouragement. I thank you for the testimonies. I thank you for the things that have been shared over social media, the testimonies in the life. Lord, I thank you for the gifts that have, flow, that, have, that have been shown and flow through this church one to another. Lord, help us to carry the gospel, the fruit of the gospel, Lord. These are the things, Lord, that matter. They matter to you and things for which we can be thankful. Lord, would you just reassure our hearts? Would you just draw us back into that place of peace? Would you just cause us to be comforted by the Holy Spirit and where we need help to be thankful? Holy Spirit, we lean into you. Father, for those who are facing difficult decisions and situations and they don't see hope, 
Holy Spirit, would you remind them that you are the hope. That you are the one who guides us, that keeps us in comfort, that draws us into the place of peace, that leads us into life. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit, in our life. Cause us to be a thankful people, to choose to rejoice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you for giving me just a little bit of extra time. If you're comfortable doing this, and if you're not, you just don't, don't stretch out your hand. But if you would grab your neighbor's hand, if you're comfortable doing that, reach out your hand. If you're not, don't. I don't want anybody to be uncomfortable. I just want to bless you. I just want you just to, you don't have to do it out loud. But as I just close, as I bless you, I just want you to thank God for the person on your right and your left. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Again, I thank you for this church. Lord, it's my honor. It's my blessing. It's my joy. Lord, it's, it's part of the fulfillment that you have called me to, Lord, to, to be in this church, Lord. To get to be here, to, to serve, to love these folks, Lord. I'm thankful for them, each and every one of them, Lord. Lord, I'm even thankful for the people that dared to join us today, God, because I know they're precious to you, that you love them, that they're significant to your heart. Lord, I just pray your significance, your value, your joy, your love, and the truth that you are thankful for each and every one of these people, your sons and daughters. Lord, just to be made alive over them. Let thankfulness just, just come up in a powerful way in us. Thank you, Lord. Your grace, your peace, your strength, your provision, your mercy. In Jesus' name over each person, amen. Amen, amen, amen. 